Welcome to the 100 Master Coaches series featuring master coaches from around the world. Let's journey together on this 100 Master Coaches series with your host, Coach Mel, MCC. Tracy Sinclair is a master certified coach, coaching supervisor, mentor coach, and ICF assessor. She works as an international corporate executive and board level coach, a leadership development designer and a facilitator working with a wide range of organizations. Tracy also specializes in working with organizations to support them to develop a coaching culture. Now on to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 100 Master Coaches Show. This is Coach Mal, and today my special guest is from Surrey, England. She's none other than Tracy Sinclair. Would you give her a big round of applause? Welcome to the show, <laughs> Tracy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mel. It's lovely to be here. Let's talk about your journey. How did that begin for you, Tracy? My journey into coaching actually began after I had my two children. I've got twins who are now Beautiful. 18. Nice. And um, when I took some time out when I had them and I was thinking about coming back into my business, I wanted to just reset the direction, refresh my mm. skills, refresh what the work I was doing. So I went to a few different conferences and seminars and I came across someone talking about this thing called coaching. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, what's that? Because yeah. I had wondered if it was similar to counselling because mm. I used to work as a counsellor for mm. in the field of addiction with drug and alcohol addicts. Mm -hmm. And that was something that always really um, interested me. But I was quite intrigued, therefore, by what was coaching and how was it different. And the person that gave a wonderful presentation that day at this conference said that he believed that coaching was not created by a few bored people in a coffee shop <laughs> somewhere, you know, scratching their heads, trying to think about the next mm. cool thing to do. That's right. <laughs> His view was that coaching was emerging as a way of communicating with ourselves and others to meet mm. a need in the world. Wow. And I thought, wow, like you just said, I thought, my goodness, that's that's inspirational. Uh, so it hooked me and I started to find out more. And not too long afterwards, I was training and signed up on a course to learn. And as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> yes, they do. You know, I've heard this story obviously different from others, but there are some similarities, you know, coming through some sort of transition, having some sort of pause in the middle of the road or a fork in the middle of the road. And you're like, hmm, let's take a little breather, reset, and let's see what opens up. And wow, imagine that. <laughs> you, you could have actually opened up to anything. Were you actually open to a lot of other things besides coaching at a point of time? I mean, I do think I am quite an open person and I'm, I'm a very naturally enthusiastic person. So I can get really, really passionate about things mm. quite easily. Yeah. Um, but coaching just seemed like the thing I wanted to do because mm. I think what appealed to me about counselling was I, I have always been very fascinated by how we function. So behavioural yeah. sciences and 
and psychology has always been an, an area of huge interest for me. Yeah. And my, my business up to that point was in the broad spectrum of leadership development, mm. which was also in that same space of growing, learning, developing, being the best yeah. we can be. Yeah. And so it, um, it really did seem as though that was the, the natural path to take. Mm. Um, if I'm honest, on a personal level, there was another path that was very appealing to me at that time, which I chose not to take, <laughs> which was to become a yoga teacher. Okay, well, um, there you go. So I was really into yoga at the time and, and still am. Um, nice. And I did consider doing my yoga teacher training. Mm. Um, but I went down the path of coaching and so it continued. Mm. Well, thank you. That little bits of twists and turns often come along our way. And then, well, we've got to decide. And I'm sure you and I have met people coming to us, right? Even asking, Tracy, they're like, what does it take to be a coach, right? Can, can I be a coach like you? So I'm just going to start there now. When someone comes up to you, Tracy, what is your little uh, three pointers to them <laughs> to kind of say that, you know, do you have this or are you passionate about this? What would you say? I mean, my immediate response to that, Mel, is absolutely yes. Of course, you can become a coach, you know, because for me, yeah. coaching is not this elusive yeah. skill that is just for the few, as it yeah. were. Um, I, I really do believe that coaching is something that's beyond a skill set and it's just mm. more about how we how we communicate. So for yeah. me, of course, anyone could become a coach. Um, I, I think one of the biggest barriers that mm. at least I have come across both in others and most certainly in myself is the biggest barrier can be that I only see it as a skill that I apply to other people. So there's, <laughs> it gets limited to the doing of something and I yeah. do that to someone else or with someone else. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, lack of recognition that actually to really coach well we have to work on ourselves and really know who we are and yeah. manage ourselves challenge yeah. ourselves be compassionate with ourselves all of those things that we would encourage a client to do and be um, we have to be absolutely prepared to do the same with ourselves and um, and that often is the hardest learning point perhaps totally agree with you tracy it's like us holding up the mirror to our clients so that they can see themselves in a different light and then <laughs> when we are alone we've got to hold up the mirror to ourselves too <laughs> to kind of see from the different angles hmm, maybe some things are not as it is and and as you say be open about it. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. I now really enjoy that part. I think mm. in, in my early career as a coach, I, you know, if I'm totally honest, I was probably a little bit oblivious to that. That would be a blind spot yeah. because 
what I knew about coaching was that it was a skill I wanted to learn to work to use with other people so that that early relationship with coaching was about a skill and the doing of something and doing it well yeah Uh, then when I started to realize ah actually there's more to this than meets the eye this is just about as much about me as the practitioner Mm. as it is about the work I'm trying to do um and that felt like a real head scratcher, you know, me thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I have to be perfect then. I have to have everything resolved in myself. Um, but now as time's gone by and I'm perhaps, you know, got a few more grey hairs, uh, I start to, to have more compassion for myself at the same time, but just more be comfortable and relax into that idea of being a lifelong learner I know that sounds like a terrible cliche we use it all the time but but I really I really feel as though that's what I want to embrace now Mm. we can all be that lifelong learners for ourselves as well as we serve our clients let me ask you how was your couple of years at the start of it when you went into coaching. I know you did say that you were part of that leadership space already. What happened after after you got certified? Mm. On the one hand, I was fortunate in that I already had a business mm. which was had some momentum. You know, I'd been working on my business for already for a few years. So it wasn't as though I had to suddenly start a whole new profession Mm. from scratch yeah um so that was that was quite fortunate for me but the challenging side of that meant that I was distracted from really immersing myself in coaching probably for the first three or four years because Mm. I was still offering such a wide portfolio of work and I can remember trying to find every single possible opportunity to introduce coaching into leadership development programs and all sorts yeah. of things like that, which, which of course I did, you know, over time, those things came through. One of the biggest challenges I found actually, which I believe is still often a challenge for coaches now is, mm. is that a lot of times people didn't know what I was talking about. And there was, there was still an, you know more so back then but still now a misunderstanding in many areas of what mm-hmm. coaching actually is what it is not yeah. um how it differs or is similar to things like counseling therapy mentoring consulting all of those kinds of things um and i hadn't early on expected the the role that i would have to play in almost educating or trying to explain Mm. what it was that I was doing. Um, So I can remember doing so many presentations years ago on what actually is coaching before you can really get to doing any of it. Mm. I have done that myself, you know, the whole education of the difference. And somehow I realized from my journey of that education, I realized that sometimes the language that we spoke were a little foreign to the people we're speaking to. And so one of the things I did was to actually remove those jargons, those coaching jargons from my language and make it a little bit more simpler 
for the people to understand. So for example, if it's a head of department, they wanted to talk about uh, talent development and obviously KPIs and performance and better connection with their stakeholders. I wouldn't talk the coaching language, I would talk their language. So to help them understand that actually, it is not different than, than having a wonderful, open, honest conversation with someone and allowing them to shine and take accountability of their responsibility. <laughs> you know? So when they heard that, they're like, mm, I like that. I like that thing called coaching because you're getting them to be accountable. So that worked for me. What about you, Tracy? Yeah, well, I they completely resonate, Mel, what you're saying about speaking their language. And it made me think about the coaching principle almost of meeting our clients where they're at, you know, rather than us as coaches imposing our language, we try to work with our clients' language, don't we? So of course it would make it would make sense um, absolutely to, to do that. I I also found that um, actively demonstrating with people mm. what coaching to give them an experience that was yeah. what I, I did quite a lot of as well which I'm sure many coaches do to um, to give demonstrations in fact sometimes I used to feel a little bit like some kind of magician doing a magic show or something you know where you invite <laughs> the person up from the stage to uh, to work with you but I can remember yeah. approaching some some friendly clients that I'd I'd been working with to say yeah. you know can I come in and talk to you about this and maybe demonstrate and and do it so I think in those in those early times in our careers we've really got to try all sorts of different ways to mm-hmm. connect with people and also to help them to understand what it is that we're trying to to offer them really yeah and I also hear coaches say I just want to do the coaching I just want to do the work right And then there's the other element, obviously, which is the business side of it. Some of us may say, it's it's drudgery, right? It's like, I've got to do this. I've got to write proposals and I've got to, you know, talk to clients and network with people, the whole list. Yeah. What do you say? You know, you've been running your business for a bit right now and going through the motion, obviously, through the years and still going through it, what would be your little advice for those who are perhaps starting out and finding it a little bit uh, difficult? Yeah, I, I think, Mel, you, you, you speak the, the clear reality of the fact that we, we can't just do the coaching. You know, I maybe mean, we could try, but we probably wouldn't have many clients because there's no business development or whatever happening. Yeah. So I think there yeah. is that hard fact of life almost that when we go into our coaching practice to set that up we are actually setting up a business and when I'm teaching coaches at least one of the things that I share with them or invite them to think about is you know if you were thinking about leaving your job or retiring from your job or whatever it is that you're the transition you want to make and you were thinking about setting up a bakery or a shoe shop, or yeah. you know, opening up a fashion a fashion line or something, you would have a business plan. You would be thinking about 
how what your fee structure would be, how you'll market yourself, what your brand is and your image, all of those business related things. And so I'm I'm always encouraging coaches to really try to at least think about that mindset to mm-hmm. to treat it as though the reality is it is a bit it is a business. Mm. Um, however, do we want to do those things and do we have the skills for those things? You know, I've had to learn um, to become a salesperson. And it's, it's been like pulling teeth, I would imagine, because I hate selling, <laughs> to be honest. But it, it's one of the things that I've had to learn. But yeah. then I also think that we have to maybe ask ourselves, if I don't want to do those things or I mm. can't do those things, whatever, whatever that might be, yeah. um, probably more that we don't want to, because I'm sure we can learn those things if we want to do them. Yeah. Um, yeah is then to think about, well, how do I make it happen? Who will do them for me? Um, And of course, I think, at least in my experience, many, many coaches are subcontracting different parts of their work to people that they're paying, you know, individual contributors in their own field. Um, But then, of course, you've also got a lot of associate work that a lot of coaches, especially in the early days, may tap into as well, where... They're part of a bigger organization that finds the work for them. Yeah. Um, so there are pros and cons, I guess, aren't there really, of how we want to go about it. Mm. And then, of course, there are coaches who are made for the organization, right? You've got yeah. internal coaches. So they could be the ones um, uh, double hatting, right? They're, their main role as a HR person, their main role as even a any other role, and then they take on this other coaching skill set as well as role sometimes in an organization and officially champion that coaching culture because a lot of organizations these days are talking about um, the coaching culture. And I know that's one of your favorite uh, topics to talk about too. So (laughs) I'd love to hear from you about that um, coaching in the workplace. Well, most definitely. I mean, I think this is a natural part of the evolution of this work in that coaching started out being a one-to-one kind of arrangement to a one-to-many, one-to-group, one-to-team, but then you've got the one-to-system. And and there's a natural evolution, I think, as coaching is evolving that that is taking us to that more systemic level. And Frankly, I think that's where we need to go, because if coaching is going to be part of how we all communicate with each other, then it needs to be something that is systemic. And so the role of coaching in organisations is is critical. And of course, you've got, as you described, the internal coach who may be fully coaching internally or doubling up with with another role. And then also the managers and leaders which of which I think is um, you know a really influential part or role within an organization for leaders to have great coaching skills as well. And then we see that ripple effect of coaching happening, all of those conversations throughout the organization that increasingly get informed by either coaching skills or I would also say a coaching mindset, mm. you know just some of the mindset or the, the values almost that come from a place of wanting to coach someone rather than tell them or direct them. 
that ripple effect really can be very transformational for organizations and, and therefore their culture. It's a very exciting space. And it's lovely to see more organizations engaging with this now. Definitely. And I love what you just said, right? It's not just the coaching skill sets, but it starts with that coaching mindset. And that will be actually what I call, um, it's like a coaching lifestyle, right? So it becomes part and parcel of the things on the wall, um, the furniture. It, it is all part and parcel of the way we live and work. And as we say, talk together. <laughs> it's all part of that. And that starts with that shift in that mindset, doesn't it? Most definitely, most definitely. And I think the mindset, you know, as, as we were talking earlier, that the focus is often so much on the skill, mm. which of course is important. Yes. But the skill without the mindset is going mm. to have limitations, I, in my humble opinion, because the mindset is, is what opens up and really allows the skill to... Yeah. To, to be to be displayed or to be you know shared if you like in a way that's that's going to be really congruent and and meet yeah. and meet values mm. I'm just curious Tracy um, as we're talking about this mindset and culture what would you say that could be some sustainable keys if an organization really wants to embark in to a coaching culture, coaching mindset, and not just having those two-day coach as manager programs, as we're all aware of, which are good, don't get me wrong, but perhaps not too sustainable right after those two days. What would be some of those pivot points that could be so important for an organization to take on this coaching a little bit more sustainably? I mean, if I think about the organisations that I at least am aware of that have had a had a you know made success a successful progress with with, yeah. with transforming culture, yeah. is it absolutely does go beyond those two day training programs. Mm -hmm. um, although obviously they're part of it, you know, and I yes. think what I notice in organisations is is there's almost this multiple intervention points. So you're not just mm. targeting on one group of people. Yeah. You're not just targeting on offering coaching to people that have got to a certain level in the organization. There's, there's um, at the highest possible level, there's a sense of equity, if you like, mm. in as far as the accessibility to coaching yeah. is concerned. Um, and that mindset, I guess, needs to come from the top mm. as well. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, all senior leaders within an organization have to be certified coaches necessarily. You know, I think there's a, a fitness for purpose element yeah. to all of this as well, especially in an organization. True. But it's the attitude because I, I think attitude is what informs culture. Mm. And, and leadership leaders are highly influential yeah. in an organization. And I think of I think of leaders almost, it's a little bit like parenting when they say you're never, you're never not parenting. You know, even if, even if you think you've switched off and you're behaving in a way that you wouldn't advocate your children do, you're, yeah. you're parenting 
24 7 24 7 yeah whether you like it or know it or not and um leadership is 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 you know a similar mm. thing in a way that yes. whatever you're doing however you're responding or reacting you are leading whether it's intentional whether it's positive and helpful is another matter but you're leading all the time and so i think somehow if we can really try to infuse and work with the mindset piece then that coupled with some great interventions of skills that are fit for purpose in various parts of the organization then you can really get a Mm. a lovely the perfect storm perhaps (laughs) (laughs) coming coming up yeah sometimes you need a little bit of a storm to kind of shake things around and then it happens. And I've heard of stories where companies were going through some issues that obviously needed a bit of that shaking and a bit of that reset, a bit of that rethink what they're doing with their people. It's very relevant what you've said. Thank you. Over the last 18 years, I'm sure you've learned for yourself quite a bit of insights and through your reflection would you kindly share a couple today for the audience well I think one of one of the big insights I've shared already around Mm. you know focus on self as well I love this term of self as instrument so really looking at how we can develop our own our own person our own skills Mm. our own being Um, But other things that I've learned along the way, one of them is very simple, which is to slow down, stop talking and listen. (laughs) Um, And and I think, you know, if if ever I'm if ever I'm giving feedback to other other coaches and and of course, still to myself, is we can often be so keen to help or to solve or to add value or to prove ourselves or whatever it might be that's driving Mm. us um, that we can very easily get in the client's way. And um, I think one of the biggest skills of coaching is actually a nonverbal skill, which is silence, you know, (laughs) is just really to, to hold a space for someone and deeply trust in them and and yourself and that space that something really valuable for them will emerge and you know I think often we can as coaches work too hard because of those things that drive us we can sometimes work too hard and so my my advice if I was going to be in the business of giving advice which of course as coaches we're not but if I was to invite people to think about it it would be to slow down and really deeply listen and and really focus on what do you need to do to be as present and available to this other person as you can Um, and then the rest will come you know with good training you know the skills they're in there with good training, the skills will come through rather than us trying to force them through in, a, in some kind of a really cool coaching checklist. <laughs> Absolutely. So simple, 
yet so difficult. And I'm still um, learning that every single time, reminding myself every single time. Okay, even in a conversation, right? Trying to uh, hold myself back because I get so excited. Well, it, <laughs> it, it's human nature, isn't it? You know, it's just it human nature. And I suppose, you know, that some of the competencies I think talk about self-management, don't they? And self-regulation. Yes. You know, boy, do we need to do that yeah. sometime. Yeah. I was about to ask, um, do you have a practical way that you hold yourself back? Is there something you say to yourself inside you? Or, or is there something there, an anchor somewhere? What, what do you do? Actually, maybe this is where my yoga comes into play a little bit for me because I, I just mm. focus on my breathing. Um, and I think about the that yoga practice of, you know, maybe breathing in for two and breathing out for four or whatever count, you know, you're wanting to do, but to just connect with my breathing for a couple of breaths and allow it to slow down. Because while I'm doing that and I'm focusing on that, I can't speak. So I, I'm, it, it helps me to pause, to press that pause button. Um, I think the other thing on a practical level for me that's really important and has become more important, actually, mm. given the kind of world we live in nowadays, yeah. uh, is really having space in between sessions. Not that I would ever have clients back to back, of course, but yeah. I need more space now, yeah. I find. Yeah. I need more, yeah. a bit more space um, to, to find myself. To, to let go of whatever I've been doing before that session, um, not engaging with what I'm going to do after that session, because we have so much going on in our minds now, so much going on in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that that ability to quieten ourselves and get ready to be available is such an important part of our practice that it's very easy to dismiss even especially in a virtual world where we can literally click from one Zoom to another within almost seconds. Yeah. Um, so I think that discipline of giving myself and therefore my client my preparation time mm. is, is, is really important. I love that. Practical and very needed. Like what you said, especially in this time where everything around us is uh, probably clamoring for our attention. Um, not just us, but our, our clients. Um, yeah, society. Um, even how we think we have more time today because we are so savvy in the way we can appear so professionally on zoom but there's so much on the inside i'm just hearing in on what you're saying so much of yeah. this important preparation on the inside before it comes out on the outside yeah most definitely mm -hmm. and i i think the the term stillness comes up mm -hmm. for me it's something i've been writing about in my journal and reading about is, is stillness because the world is not still <laughs> um, in so many ways, as I 
said when we very first started about how things feel quite tumultuous here in, in the UK at the moment. And, mm. and of course, in most places in the world, many places in the yeah. world. Um, but our inner world and our outer world can in, in some ways be mirrored, can't they? And so yeah. it's that. And for me, that's the beauty of coaching. That's the 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 essence of coaching is is the pause is to pause and allow some stillness so that the the wisdom can can come up and this reminds me actually if i've if i've got time to share a a quick story um from some meditation studies that i did years ago which was when i studied transcendental meditation and the teacher said that she gave me a metaphor to help describe the process of of tm and she said that when you first meditate and you drop down in terms of your brain waves, you drop down a little bit. She said that's like doing a, a, a spring clean in your house. So you're going around and you're washing the surfaces and sweeping the floor and freshening up everything so that you can be clear and fresh. And she said, but then there's the next piece, which is then when you go further and the stillness deepens she said then the wise sleeping elephants wake up and they come up to offer their wisdom and I've always been so struck by that story and for me it has quite a lot of parallels with coaching is how can we invite stillness um, for both our client and ourselves so that the wisdom can can emerge amidst just the the noise just all of the noise that we're experiencing and as you were saying that i'm imagining that in our clients world of noise and busyness and and performance they probably look forward to the stillness that they can get away from it it's like going for a quick retreat, right? Mm-hmm. Where we know we're going to be our whole senses from the smells of lavender and, and the oils in the air. And, and it's, it's not cold, but it's room temperature. And you walk in barefoot and, and you're experiencing with fullness of yourself. Mm-hmm. And just listening in on that inner voice, which is probably telling you lots of things, but we're just so busy to listen. (laughs) So that reminds me of this wonderful space that coaches have such a privilege. We hold that space so importantly for our clients. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I'm uh, also excited to ask you, as we progress, obviously, as coaches, you know, getting certified, some obviously go on to join the ICF, and then they start their journey, their credentialing journey, right, as they move forward. And of course, they start putting up their hands and say, um, I will volunteer as being part of a chapter uh, in my local community and start being a part of that community. Tell us your journey about that. Obviously a very exciting one. I'm, I'm leading towards that pinnacle that you have reached. I would love to hear that story. 
how it started for you? Mm. Well, as soon as I trained as a coach, I joined the ICF. Um, in fact, I joined a couple of professional bodies to begin with. I didn't really know quite who was what in the in the field. <laughs> um, so I, I joined uh, um, uh, the, the ICF and I joined yeah. a professional body that was in the UK. For me, that was always really important because yeah. it, there was something about professionalizing what I yeah. was doing. I wanted yeah. to feel that um, what I was doing was was had integrity and was you know sort of or not auditable as such but but had a, a level of, of substance and rigor that I could share with my clients yeah. um, and so I was always involved with the ICF and then I just found myself I don't know quite how oh yes I do know how actually I've just remembered I was on a I was on a, a training program where I met a lady um, Hilary Oliver who is also pretty well known in the in the in the field of coaching and um she said to me well maybe you'd like to volunteer because she was on the uh uk icf board at the time mm. in fact i think she was just about to be the the president of the uk icf and she said you know there are different projects that you could get involved in and i just you know i am ever the enthusiast which is <laughs> Part, part of part of my qualities but also part of my my downfall as well because I can get enthusiastic about too many things um but I thought wow that sounds great because I could actually learn more and that was was has always been such a wonderful part of volunteering for the ICF in that mm -hmm. yes you know you are giving of your time however I have found it to be so valuable to me because I have learned so much more about coaching, but also so much more about the profession yeah. of coaching, how it's growing, how it's being defined, how it's being used. And not just here in the UK, I was immediately then exposed to an international community. Um, and I have made many really great friends because of that around the world. Um, some of whom I've never seen in person, and, but, and some of whom <laughs> I have. Um, and, and also to have hopefully, therefore, made some kind of contribution. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's that that's always felt important to me. And I think if you can, you know, there's one thing sort of saying, well, this isn't right, or that's not right, or we should have more of this or less of that or whatever. And I think, well, if I really feel about those things, if this is important to me, why don't I actually get stuck in, get involved and try to make a difference? Um, so I, I've really, for me, the ICF has been my professional home, if as it were. And because I've spent most of my um, professional career working quite independently, I mean, I do work with, with a small team of very trusted and valued colleagues, but it can be a little bit of a lone profession for, mm. for a lot of people. And so for me, the ICF was my home, my professional home. It was, I mm. felt that was the team, if you like, the team of people that I've been involved with. And that's been very sustaining for me. Um, so hopefully it's been a reciprocal relationship. You know, I think this volunteering doesn't have to be a one way yeah. um 
a one-way process you know for me I I feel as though I've gained enormously uh, mm. by different the different roles I've had and the things I've been involved in yeah thank you for volunteering thank you for uh, being one of our chairs over the years and I know you're still part of the board today there must be this pool and I know you've said quite a few things already about that whole team, that that home, professional home. I'm just sensing that there could be just that bit that holds us true to the ICF. It just draws us back again and again. I know I have never stopped becoming a member and obviously being whenever I am in, in different times of my journeys of, of staying, I've moved chapters, but I've always been connected with the local chapter. So I'm just wondering, what is that that, that, that just keeps you just going and, and, and pressing on and being even more available to this global community? Hmm. I don't know if this is a very good answer, Mel, to be honest, but I just can't imagine not doing it. Um, <laughs> that's, a good one. You know, that's just my really honest answer is that this is about, for me, a part of coaching is about hmm exchange you know there's something that happens in a coaching conversation or in a team or an organization or whatever and I just don't feel like it would work if I was just out there on my own doing things it, it that feels very flat just very one-dimensional and so to be part of the community and to contribute in whatever way Way you can you know I mean different different people have different ways that they like to make their contribution but if you can find the way that works for you mm. then that to me is what keeps it alive it keeps me engaged it keeps me fulfilled I keep learning I'm meeting great people um how how, how would I not want to do that you know I just can't imagine not wanting to do it and I'm I'm coming off of the global board at the end of this year my my final I'm just not allowed <laughs> to do any more time at the moment which is probably very appropriate oh. because you need to have new new people coming through obviously um so I am wondering now what's what's my, my focus for next year um so I'll I'm sure I'll be involved in something I'll find something to yeah uh, to I'm, sh I'm sure too <laughs> Yeah, it's the unspoken, right? It's it's in you, it's in me. It's just it's just been, I think the word that comes from me, it's like family. Yeah, it's just it's just part of you. Yeah, I love what you just said. It's it is impossible not to be part of it. I love that. And we all can play, you know, a bigger or a smaller part. I mean, obviously, yeah. not everyone has lots of time on their hands yeah. to volunteer. So yeah, I don't think course. it's you know, we all we all have to balance what we can do, mm. um, but it doesn't have to be lots and lots of time. It it could just be being involved in one project, one yeah. task force, one idea. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it's that cycle then, and that exchange that's going mm. on between us that then gets replicated. That's exciting. Mm. Definitely, I would like to tap your thoughts as we come almost to the close of this conversation, what, what that future kind of looks like for you and coaching? Mm. I ask myself that question almost every day, Mel. Um, and I don't have a, I don't have a, um, 
a very clearly mapped out answer to that because it's evolving all the time. Yeah. But I certainly know that I want to continue with the work that I'm doing. Um, I, I love studying and learning more about this, this discipline. And that takes me to other peripheral subjects you know, of interest whether it's things like yoga or mindfulness or mm -hmm. uh, stillness, uh, other forms of psychology, um, spirituality, uh, you know, quantum physics, whatever it might be, you know, I'm, I'm just allowing now my interests to go where they want to go, uh, which is, which is really exciting. And I know that one of the things that I've done I guess almost all of my life is to is to teach at, in some capacity. I started out as an English and Spanish teacher many many years ago. Um, so I love teaching. I love I love the experience of of sharing and what I then get back in that process. So I would imagine that will continue. Um, but I've got a couple of projects that I'm really involved in that mm. I want to spend a lot more time on, which are one is around mental health and one, the other one is around, um, coaching for younger people, young leaders. Mm. Um, so some projects that I really want to give even more of my, my time to next year. That's beautiful. And I look forward to hearing what you have in store on your next part of your journey. There are obviously coaches walking in our industry right now as we speak. Um, what would be that master wisdom? There's probably one that you'd like to drop into their ears today. I think a very practical thing comes to my mind straight away, which is, is get trained, you know, be, be well-trained. Mm. Uh, there are some wonderful training programs available for coaches around the world now. Um, and so, you know, choose well, because it's an investment of people's time and, and in, in a lot of cases, their own money. Mm. Um, so I would I would think that get, getting good training, I know that served me well when I started. Um, I think that would be um, a, a piece of a, a sort of advice that I would offer. Um, but also to be patient, you know, this coaching isn't something that you don't necessarily finish your training and then the very next day you've got a whole coaching practice waiting for you. So going back to that, that sort of business mindset and being patient and working at it. Um, but I think the most important thing as I, as, as I'm discovering now is is, is just embrace what you don't yet know. I know this again sounds such a, such a cliche and we're taught in coaching, aren't we, about being comfortable with not knowing, but we're so obsessed often with knowing as much as we, we want, we need to, or knowing as much as possible and anxious about the gap. And yet the gap is where the opportunity is. And so if, if, if we knew everything, that would be a bit boring, wouldn't it? You know, so I, I, I would just say embrace, embrace the long, the long journey here. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, so embrace the long game and just enjoy the learning along the way. So applicable, not just for young coaches coming in, but everyone. 
Embrace it. Embrace it. Our final question is often this, and you know it um, as coaches, we ask meaningful questions. As you are sensing this true, what question comes to mind that you may want to just leave behind for the audience listening to you today? Well, I'm going to steal a question that my coach often asks me that, wow. that is usually the most powerful question he asks me. And the, and the question is, if, if you're being faced with a challenge or something that's difficult, something that's testing you, something that's painful, perhaps, the question he always asks me is, Tracy, right now, in this moment, what are you being invited to learn? Mm. That is so beautiful. What are you right now invited to learn? So right now, um, we'd like to give you this time to give us a couple of your contact handles, social media, so that people can come in contact with you. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, my website is tracysinclair.com. And my um, pretty much all of my handles on LinkedIn and Facebook are Tracy Sinclair or Tracy Sinclair Limited. Um, and my email address is Tracy at tracysinclair.com. <laughs> so it's quite simple, really. Um, I would always love to hear from people. Um, we're part of a big, a big global family. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So simple and yet so amazingly deep and meaningful. Uh, it's such a pleasure to host you today, Tracy. Thank you so much, Mel. It's been a real pleasure meeting and talking with you. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been the 100 Master Coaches Show. Today with Tracy and myself, Mel, signing off to the next one. Take care and bye for now. Bye for now. You have been watching the 100 Master Coaches series with your host, Coach Mel, MCC. Brought to you by Catalyst Coach. www.catalystcoach.live We will be right back with our next Master Coach on the 100 Master Coaches series.